Welcome to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. Thanks for joining us today. We're really believing that you'll benefit from the message that you're about to hear. A big thank you to those of you who share our podcast on social media. And thanks for rating and reviewing us on iTunes. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au. So if you have your Bible, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter, the last part of chapter 1 and um, a, a good chunk of chapter 2. And last week we looked at um, the fact that Jesus, what Jesus had done was incredible. We saw the whole idea of us under pressure, what comes out. And he was trying to understand that you are, have uh, shielded, you've been blessed, you've done all of these things. So, so therefore, you should live differently. You should live holy. You should know that God's going to assess you and reward you. Um, and you should live like a stranger. So we're going to pick it up um, from verse 22, I think. Yes, verse 22 of chapter 1. I looked at the illustration last week of a toothpaste, and when you squeeze a toothpaste, what comes out? Chapter 2 still talks about under pressure, but it talks about, I think, the communal toothpaste. So if you're sharing a house with friends or family or anybody, or you can put this in your work colleague, but imagine we're all here as a church, and there's one bit of toothpaste. One, there's one, not one bit, there's one tube of toothpaste. We're all sharing it. Those of you with teenage children or, in, or, or young kids, like Finn this morning decides like, okay, I'm going to squeeze it out. And he's like, and it just goes everywhere. And he just needs a little bit. But the other, everywhere bit, just, we just leave that. Someone else will fix that. Or someone, it'll just go. I don't know. It just comes out. So you imagine church life with all of this stuff that comes out. And you've got to get your toothpaste this stuff is all there. It's all come out. Because under pressure, people do things differently than they do when they're composed. Normal. The public face. This is me. I'm, I'm wearing what I should be wearing. And I'm acting like I should be acting. I'm talking like I should be talking. But under pressure, we say we do. We become things that we don't really want other people to know about. More so in a family where there's no, no one else really watching. You're actually just, hey, whatever. I'm frustrated. You should understand that I'm tired. You should understand that I'm angry. You should understand that I'm... St- do whatever I need to do. Put this in the church context, where we've been squeezed and squished, and, and as a community, we're together. That's what's happening in First Peter chapter 2, which is what we're going to get to. Okay, so... Peter has this incredible view of the church that has many challenges. They're being pressured to be something different. And it's affecting the way that they live and and do stuff together. And he has an incredible view of the church that we're going to look at and explore. And yet I want to tell you, I want to remind you, if you this is the this is written by by Peter, who was there in all of the churches great times and bad times. He was there when the Spirit was poured out and thousands of people became Christians that day. He was there when they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the Word of God, to fellowship and to prayer. He was there when Ananias and Sapphira tried to steal and cheat and do something different. He was there when Peter confronted him and said, what you're doing in Galatians, what you're doing is wrong. 
You're pretending to be a Gentile when the Gentiles and when the Jewish people, you pretend to be Jewish. You're just two-faced. You're fake. That's him. He's there. And yet he has this incredible, wonderful view of the church that I want to present to us today that I think, I think what, what he's trying to do, this is the whole message, if you could see the church as God sees, the church, not, not the church, the building, the church community, the church family, the church people, if you could see that, you would change the way that you behave in the, mount, in the, mid, the middle of the way that you behave one for another. That's realistically what, if I'm summarizing what he's trying to say. So let's, let's read together from verse 22 of chapter 1, because I think that's when the argument starts and, and finishes in um, verse 3. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. He's going to say this over and over again in the same, not in this passage, but in, in this book. So, you know, once you know the truth, remember last week's message that we have all these incredible things, you should live this way. So now that you know the truth and have sincere love for each other, you already have this sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Because I think what Peter understands, you can pretend. You can do on your Sunday best or your connect group best or whatever it is, but love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. And we looked at this whole idea last week about being born again, this new creation, a new start, a new beginning, a new family. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The, glass, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. I think this is fascinating. Just look at this list for a moment. This is, this is the stuff of community. Envy, slander, malice he's not talking about you should stop murdering people out there he's actually going into the heart let's stop the outward stuff let's go to the inward real life church family issues envy greed slander did you what did you know all that stuff like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the lord is good so again we're getting sponsorship if you would like to help us uh i'm just going to cover that but whatever you have a craving you have a craving for something and you are born again if you were a christian you are born again. You have a new start. And what, what the Bible is, what Peter's trying to say to them as a community and actually zero in on you, you individually have a craving. What you feed yourself is what you become. He talks about the word of God being enduring forever and, and humanities like grass that you have to cut painfully. Like it just grows and dies and grows and dies and grows and dies. It's a really great metaphor. And it's pretty harsh. But at the same time, I want you to crave. And I want you to think about what do you desire? 
So you can have soft drink. This is closed, hopefully. You can have soft drink, full of sugar, chemicals, coloring, and other things I can't read. Or you can crave milk. And, and that's, what he's, that's at the basic level what he's trying to say. Hey, there's two different things that you can crave, like newborn babies. Crave pure spiritual milk so that you can grow up in your salvation. I want you to think about this last week, maybe, last period of your life. What are you craving? What's like, what are you like? Oh, I just, I could go one of those right now. I'm so thirsty. For some of you, it's a coffee. For some of you, it's that sugar hit in the morning. For some of you, it's Instagram. Some of you, it's the dopamine of checking your emails. Well, I don't know what that is for you, but you have a craving and what you feed that craving will grow. And he's like, get the pure milk, just like a baby. I'm sanitizing this metaphor, obviously, but you, you need to actually crave and drink. And if you do that, you will grow spiritually. You will grow So that you and, and crave the pure spiritual milk. And I want to, what do you do? What's your habit for reading the Bible or listening to the Bible or getting it into your life? How do you, but what he's saying is take the word of God, which is eternal, which lasts forever. So whatever, what that other means is there's, there's different things that we're going to face in life. Wars, issues, great prosperity, incredible devastation, everything. But God's word will last forever. It's timeless and it can speak into your situation and your circumstances. So are you craving it? Here's the problem. Because some of you are like, oh yeah, he's just making me feel guilty. It's not working for me. You need to read it until you read it. It's like doing exercise. I don't go, yes, I'm so excited to exercise. You do it, and once you do it, you go, oh, I should do this. This is good. But it's that first bit or any really great habit that you have. You have to do it until you go, oh, this is great. This is really good. So read the Bible. Make it a pattern. Make it a habit in your life. Don't make it a law. Don't make it something that you feel, I feel guilty. I feel guilty. That's not helpful. Read it because you crave it. And you, what happens is you grow, you taste and see that the Lord is good. So how can you know the Lord? By actually reading the word and understanding who his nature is, his character, all that type of stuff. That you can, there are fantastic ways to do this. You can even play it. So this, morning, this week I, I had to leave... Um, uh, really early for a couple of appointments and so I was like okay I didn't have time to sit and read my bible like I would normally do so I played it I'm driving from where I live to where I had to go and I'm playing what I would normally do and I actually read heaps I read heaps more than I would probably would read because I was just sitting there listening to it in the word I, is God displeased with that because I checked my habit you may be I don't care but the, the idea God's like you're feeding your soul I could listen to something else and it'd be cool and great, whatever else. But I'm like, I need to hear this first. I need this to hear because I need to crave. Because I know left by myself to myself, I will taste the junk. And it fills me for a moment. It satisfies me for a moment. But long term, 
It's why you don't feed babies this time. All right, next, let's go to... Where are we up to? As you come to him. Yeah. The living stone. This is where I need my helper. Thank you so much. Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As you come to him, I love that phrase. This is this whole idea that we are coming to Jesus as we are. It's not like as you prepare yourself to be in something, as you come to him, we, the, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices to God. You are being changed. You are being moved around and molded and shaped as the Holy Spirit does a work of grace in your life. You are not the same. The whole point of what you should be is that, see how this is moving and changing and evolving. The Spirit of God is at work in your life to change you, to mold you, to be the living stones, not the dead stone that's finished, it's, it's ever. It's actually a living stone. And you, because here's the thing, what you first were when you first became a Christian, you were not, you shouldn't be the same. You should be more like Jesus. You are being changed. There's growth, there's development, there's change. You are being built into a spiritual house. So, this is Jesus, the cornerstone that, that we need because everything is, is, is put on him. If we don't have him, then we're going to talk about what happens later on. It all falls apart. But you, you need each other because remember peter's arguing you need each other and how you live and behave is important to everybody else so you are part of this thing you're the living stone and so you're not required what does it matter if i'm a part of a community it does because that just fell apart and so we do need each other and that's just the simple, it's what he's trying to say. It's a simple metaphor that you work together. This person can only be where they are because the foundation of the other people around them, the supporting them, praying for them, encouraging them, cheering them on, mourning with them, doing life with them, telling them, hey, God's got a great plan for your life. Just walking beside them. In all the seasons of life, the messy parts, the great parts, the triumphant parts, the boring parts, this person is able to be there because this person did what they did to do and this person did what they need to do. But this person, like they didn't play a massive role, but they're there. 
And it's impacting all of these people over here because they're able to be part of what we're doing. I'm not just talking about the local church and talking about the global church at the same time, but we are all built on Jesus. He is the cornerstone, the one that's rejected, but we together are actually what God is doing. Do you need each other? The problem is, we think this is a Christian. We do. It looks like a Christian, touches like a Christian, but it's not a Christian. Because you, as we'll look at, are meant to be part of this whole spiritual house. And so I, and the challenge is that we can do Christian things by ourselves. I can pray. I can read my Bible. I can even listen to sermons somewhere else. I can do all of this stuff. But actually, by myself, there's no protection. There's no encouragement. There's no, hey, you're doing a great job. There's no actual growth and development because you stay where you are. But together... Together, there's an incredible growth and it's being built. It's dynamic. It was there before, but we're going here now. God is doing whatever he wants to do, but we just need to be responsive. These are living stones that God is at work in, working around, placing each where he needs to be. And it's wonderful and amazing. Here's the thing. As we look at it and go, can you believe the church? It's this, it's that, it's all this other stuff. I understand that, but I think what Peter, rather than go, here's the, I'm going to write a letter, I'm going to say, you just need to be holy. You stop doing this and you shouldn't do this. He's going to go, you should be holy, but hang on. Have you seen what God's seen? Like, this is incredible, and we're going to go somewhere with this. So let's, let's read on. For in the scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders reject has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble, rock that makes them fall. They stumbled because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So he's trying to say, Jesus, what he's, this is the brilliance of what the writer is doing. He's saying, he's going to talk about suffering in chapter 4. So he's going to say, <clears throat> Jesus suffered. Okay, I'm going to add a few verses. We're going to talk about suffering and what you need to do and how you can live through that. But you just need to know that Jesus suffered. He's the cornerstone on which you built and, and rely upon everything. But you, this is the wonderful part. This is probably, if you're going to underline any passage in this whole chapter, this is amazing. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. These verses clarify what happens in verse 5. We just go just quickly for the next slide. What Peter is doing is saying, hey, do you remember what Israel was meant to look like and be like? And you can remember all this stuff. 
let me show you this is this is you are you're you're in what paul says in romans you're engrafted into this in galatians we are all the the sons now you are a son of abraham isaac and jacob you're part of this spiritual lineage and heritage and read this so so now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession although the whole earth is mine and you will be for me a kingdom a priest and a holy nation these are the words you are to speak to the israelites and or Isaiah 43, the wild animals honor me, the jackals, the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself that they may proclaim my praise. So what Peter is doing, if we just go to the next slide, what Peter is doing is saying all of this incredible heritage, all of the stuff that God has spoken for Israel, you're now included into this thing. And there, there's special phrases that, that, that if, we, if you're not a Jewish believer, you would go, oh, so, so what? That's interesting. That's wonderful. That's my, what he's trying to say is like all of God's been trying to do builds and grows to this thing that he's calling the church, which he will really even talk about actually the, the phrase, the church. But you're a chosen people. So, so God chose you. And when I, I want you, do you ever do that game at school? Let's pick who's going to choose. I want to choose this person. And the other person, I'll choose this person. It's like, and the last people there feel devastating. Right? God's like, all right, you're on my team. I choose you. And that's what you need to see. So here's what. Here's the thing, when it comes to how you live in a community of church, how you live in your family, how you live and operate, you need to understand, you need to live the way that God sees you, that you're special. You are chosen by God. He's like, okay, I have, want you on my team. I want you, I choose you. He's not like, oh my goodness, is that the only one left? Oh, all right. Because I, I choose you. That's what you need to see. That's what Peter's trying. That's what God has been doing for centuries and centuries and centuries. And Peter's like, hey, 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 you need to catch up with what God's actually doing. You're chosen. You are chosen. You are a royal priesthood. So a, a kingdom of priests or priests for a king. You are, um, let me stay in my notes. You're to serve. What, what's the point of a priest? Is they serve the people for God. So a prophet speaks for God. Priests for humanity come to God and go, God, will you do this? I intercede on their behalf. And so there's a mission attached to that. So we're part of the kingdom of God. There is a king. I, don't get confused. We're not kings. That's, there's, I think there's a, I'm a king. You're not a king. He's the king. You're part of his kingdom. And he gives you incredible privilege and honor and prestige and amazing things, but you're not the king. All right, we are a kingdom of priests. So he's the kingdom, and in that kingdom, I am a priest. That's my role and function, to operate for humanity and go, God, will you do something? God, I'm praying for my community. God, I'm praying that you would do something. That's what Jesus lives now, even to intercede for us. And we are a, a holy nation. Remember, we looked at this whole idea of holy last week, that it's distinguished, it's different, it's, it's, it's special, it's a special cutlery, it's different. So out of all the nations, 
And this is not an ethnic nation. This is God's nation. It's not, it doesn't matter about your birth. It did in the Old Testament, but here it's like you're adopted. You're just included in this thing. You're a special uh, nation. You're chosen. In fact, the word church means called out. So you're called out from community to something else. So we're called out of the nations to be a distinct nation, but we're to be God's special possession. Special possession. What's your most prized, prized possession? That when, I don't know, when Finn comes over, you're going to hide because he's going to break it. What's that thing in your house? God is actually, you are like that, so special. He's like, oh, this is, this is amazing. I love this. This is wonderful. This is fantastic. It has pride. It does something. He protects it. It does all of these things. That is who yous are. Because here's the thing. We make it corp. We make it individual. It's like, huh, I am so special. We are, but it actually is corporate. It is you plural. It is this. So we together are a whole, you can't be a nation by yourself. You're kidding yourself. You've got a massive ego. You, I'm, I'm a nation. You're just one person. You can't be a chosen people if you're a chosen person. Like this, you are part of something bigger than just by yourself. And so I want to just pause in this because those sort of phrases are phenomenal and amazing. So are you living according to God's vision and purpose for your life? In your thought life, in your heart, in your imagination, in what you're doing, are you thinking of yourself as a royal priesthood? Are you thinking of yourself as a chosen, as a nation, as God's treasured possession? Or are you like, I'm useless, nobody knows me, I'm hopeless? Because that's not who you are. God Almighty looks at you and goes, oh, you're my prized possession. You're my special. I, I choose you. Like, I think what you need, we need to start thinking the way that God thinks of us and speak that way and live that way. And then in a community, in a corporate sense, do we speak like that and live like that over other people? That even though they're a work of grace and we're being built together and they're growing in the grace and they're not there yet because neither are you, can you say God's sticks, God's possession? God's chosen it. They're, they're a priest. They're, they're a royal, they're a holy nation. Even though they may do things that necessarily make them like everyone else in common, but I actually still go, God, there's a work. And we can call that out and live like that and go, hey, God's got a bigger plan for your life. Don't be ordinary and like everybody else. Be different. And I love this phrase, which I've just, I think I've forgotten in this passage, but so all of this, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Right? The whole point of this is that we should actually be grateful and praise God. That the church corporately, the biggest noise that we should be making I'm free. God has, God has released me. I am no longer a slave to sin. 
You brought me out of Egypt. God has done incredible things. Is that the sound coming from church? Is that the sound coming from your life? That's the purpose of why God's called you to this place. All right, I'll see this. This is what I want you to be. So that you may declare his praises. He called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. You were not a people, but you are a people of God. And you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Are you telling other people that? Like sometimes we make evangelism so high pressure. I need to actually do the deal. And like, if you don't just tell people what God has done in your life, and, and you can do it normally. You don't have to have a warble in your voice. You don't have to just tell them everything. Just like, God's amazing. I had a great time. I once was this. I don't, I don't live like that anymore. I, I, I think differently. I, I actually, I used to do this, but now I, 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 on Sundays, I, I go to church. Cause, cause of, not because I go to church. I go to church because of everything he's done for me. Because I think that's where we leave off and go, oh, no. That's like everybody else. Everyone else goes to clubs and stuff because they go to things that are important to them. I go to church. I'm part of the church. I do all of this stuff because of everything God has done for me. That's what people are interested in. Because you start saying, you're declaring the praises of God. We think praises is just this, but it's everywhere. That this church says everything that God's done for them. It's amazing. He's, he's fantastic. He is good. So, last bit. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. Remember, we talked about this phrase last week. To abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And so you, he's going to say you need to show good behavior because there's a war going on. And I love the way it's this internal war. So there will be, he's going to talk about the fact that there's going to be pressure and people are trying to make them, uh, they're doing things against them. But there's equally just stuff in our own life that wages war in our soul. It was like, actually, I don't need other people. I want to be by myself or I actually don't want to be part of the kingdom and coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I actually just want to do what I want to do. This stuff, that's normal. That's waging war in our soul. That's what's happening. I live such good lives among the pagans. Just, that's, we read it, you know, it's terrible words. Why would you call them the pagans, right? It's just, they're just saying this is what they release to other people, outsiders, people who don't believe in Jesus yet. He's going to talk about the fact that you you suffer for a Christian, which is like a derogative term later on. But the whole idea is that we, there are other people who don't follow Jesus. So live such good lives among those people that they that they accuse you of doing that. Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. I don't totally understand what that means, except that people are looking at you and it's, in, and it's having an impact on their life. Well, we're waiting for, but so what must they do to be saved? Sometimes that's not going to happen until the end, apparently this verse says. But someday when Jesus will come, they go, they lived a life, they did this, they no wonder they didn't do this. So here's what I highlight for where we're going to go next week. Because he talks about this next word, which I'll highlight here, but it's actually going to be the topic of next week's messages. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. 
whether to the emperor. <clears throat> That's interesting. This is the emperor that would just murder people. So we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit more next week. As the supreme authority, to the governors who are sent by God to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. If the, one of the team could come, that'd be cool. We're going to finish. So the whole idea is actually how do you, how do you use the church as a, as a building, the church as a kingdom of priests, as a holy nation, as a cho- God's chosen special position? How do you do actually this when the rubber hits the road? Submit. Just come under their authority. I'm going to unpack what that looks like, but really this last phrase is, is probably the, the, the one we want to look at. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family, believe it. God. Honor the You have freedom. You have the freedom. You've been, you've been broken out of the slave of, God, of, of, of your sin, of your suffering, of other rulerships and stuff. You and your heart are now free to serve Jesus. So out of that, you can choose and come under and just, it's what people will see. That you're not just independent, doing your own thing, going your own way. Actually, part of something bigger and you can submit. Under. Because they'll look at you and go, that's what Jesus would do. That's who Jesus is. That's what God is actually like. I know it's a short part, but I, I, we're going to spend more time on that um, next week. Point of what he's trying to get them to do is, hey, you're all together. And there's problems, there's issues and shoving and issues and challenges that are going to bring out the worst in you. In that space, love one another deeply you can and so at the end of it he's going to say you you need to you can submit to people be part of what they're doing because you can you're free you don't have to you get to you have the freedom to say i wouldn't like to because your identity is not another what other people say your identity in who is who god it says you are what he sees as the church which is amazing and glorious and wonderful and powerful and, and, and prophetic and changing the world. And that's what he's trying to say to them. It's like, rather than just say, hey, let's talk about these attitudes you have. What he's doing is like, can you see this? Can you see the image that Jesus has done all of this for? He, in fact, he was the one that was rejected by humanity, by everybody. And yet he's the most crucial part. And so we want to honor him. We want to live for him. Worship him. So, why don't we stand? We finish just in a moment. I'd love you to think about the team to, to, to lead us in a song. But you can sing. But the other part of what I'd love you to do is like, have you thought of yourself differently? Can you see this wonderful, amazing perspective that God has for you? 
And where is this gap that you need to change in your thinking? Thank you for listening to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au.